0: Welcome to the Athletics of Business podcast. This is episode 34. Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a
1: podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership
0: and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. This is Ed Molitor, CEO of the Molitor Group and your host of the Athletics of Business podcast. I am really excited about today's special, Chef Tay Lee. I was introduced to Chef Tay several months ago from a previous guest on our podcast, Dr. Brandy Plunkett, who appeared on episode number 12, and I would go back and and listen to Dr. Plunkett. She just added a tremendous amount of value to uh, our listeners. Chef Tay has an amazing story. He was born in South Korea, and he moved to the United States to live with his grandparents and his uncles when he was only 13 years old. Since an early age, family and friends exposed him to diverse regional cuisine from Korea, Japan, and even America. It was this exposure that would later help define and shape his culinary style. In 1998, he moved to College Station, Texas to attend Texas A&M University, where he would major in business. However, while Chef Tay attended school, he started working in a local Japanese restaurant, and he finally realized that he had a true passion for the culinary art and enough conviction to pursue a career in the restaurant industry. In 2006, Chef Tay and his wife, Christina, joined forces with Mike and Taffy O'Brien to start Veritas Wine and Bistro, offering Asian flavors and ingredients on European and American cuisine. It has since garnered various awards and has been recognized to be one of the top restaurants in the Brazos Valley. Since then, Chef Tay has opened College Station's first official and nationally famed gourmet food truck. How cool is that? Chef Tay's Mobile Bistro. Chef Tay won Grand Championship from Texas Food Truck Showdown in 2015 and 2016. And you can find his his truck on campus at Texas A&M University during the school year. Also, Chef Tay and Christina opened an authentic Italian restaurant with New York City flair, Paolo's Italian Kitchen. And then their most recent opening involved the purchase of Madden's Casual Gourmet in downtown Bryan, which has been really popular with the local community because it kept the classic favorites of Chef Peter Madden, as well as including Chef Tay's uh, spice and cooking style. Now, I'm really excited because... When we go down for our uh, Unleashing Greatness event on April 10th, we'll be able to hang around for a couple of days to enjoy the grand opening of their latest venture, which is Urban Table. Which that takes place on April 12th and April 13th in South College Station. Urban Table will feature contemporary American cuisine with a twist, based on Chef Tay and his culinary team's diverse spice and flavor selection. Now, here's what's really cool about Urban Table. It's going to have a dedicated family dining space on the first floor and then a dining space along with a full-service bar and lounge on the second floor. Okay, welcome to the Athletics of Business podcast. And I cannot thank you enough for carving some time out of your schedule because I know that you have a ton going on. So thanks for being with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Well, let's, let's jump into right now what all you have going on. Let's talk about the different, the different restaurants you have in, in Bryan College Station, uh, the big project that you have coming up. Obviously, you and I are very excited to be working together on on the Unleashing Greatness event, and we'll talk about that a little later. But you have some really cool things going on, so let's let's jump into that.
1: Well, so uh, I have my flagship restaurant, Veritas Wine and Bistro, which I opened back in 2007. And then I also have an Italian restaurant called Paolo's Italian Kitchen. Madden's Casual Gourmet in downtown Bryan, and also run a award-winning food truck called Chef Taste Mobile Bistro. And also I am the head chef for Texas A&M Association of Former Students, uh, banquet managing. And then I'm opening up a brand new restaurant in about a month. So a lot of things are going.
0: And you have a family.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> family with the two children.
0: Yeah, which is, which is awesome. And they're really involved uh, in the business as well, are they not?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, you know, my wife is, uh, has sommelier and that she's also the, you know, back of the house manager as well. So, you know, we got everybody on hand, you know, on the, on the business and, uh, can't wait for the two boys to grow up and, uh, get them to wash some dish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do they love being around uh, the chaos and the craziness and the, and the end result as well?
1: Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, the children love to visit restaurant scene. Uh, you know, they, they say, hey, dad, you know, when can I go visit you at the restaurant? Can I go along with you? And, of course, snoop around the kitchen and try to you know, pick up <laughs> a little cookies or things like that. Smart. Yeah. And my wife, of course, uh, the restaurant won't run without her, actually, because uh, she takes care of all the back end of the business. So we're very uh, fortunate to have a great team working together.
0: That's phenomenal. Now, there's a story to how you ended up at Texas A&M, and I and you and I had the unique opportunity to sit down at the Texas A&M hotel. Beautiful place, yeah. by the way. If you're yeah. in College Station, you have to visit that that um, that place. But, and we we got to know each other a little bit And your story. We only had about an hour, and we could have taken mm-hmm. ten hours because we're we're we on a roll, <laughs> as you can imagine. But can you take us back to your childhood? when you first got to Texas, what brought you to Texas, uh, and then, and then walk us right up into your time at A&M because this isn't really what you thought your end game was going to be, which I think no. your story even more, <laughs> <laughs> even more fascinating.
1: Well, so, uh, attended high school back, you know, back at the Colorado, Colorado Springs area. I immigrated to U.S. side when I was about 13 and then, um, attended Texas A&M thought I was going to be an aerospace engineer and, uh, didn't turn out so well. Uh, <laughs> changed my major to uh, business school, and which actually helped me, you know, get to the point there uh, where I am right now. But um, yeah, it's just basically a scholarship offer that I have from Texas A&M University was the you know big impact on uh, choosing Texas A&M over other universities, and uh, you know so glad I came and visited the campus and that the people that we have, the faculties and facility was just a you know top notch, you know world class you know university and. Being being out here, I, I am so grateful. You know, I, I chose this school over other schools. And then, while I was going through school, uh, I was working at a local restaurant. And uh, my professor, Steve Carr, uh, who taught me strategic management, uh, got me convinced that I should run my own restaurant business because I had a, both talent on the business school and also in the restaurant business. I said, "Well, let's let's give it a shot." So after about you know, a couple months of, uh, researching just to see if the restaurant is right for me. Uh I decided to give it a shot. You know, I was still young and uh, if it didn't work out, I still had a time to recover. Uh you know, it's the restaurant business is not something that you want to go in when you're fifty or after your retirement because uh it's such a huge risk and uh you know SP uh industry re- report will say, you know, 85% of the restaurant will fail in first three years. So I say, you know what, if I do happen to fall into the eighty-five percent that fails, at least I have a time to recover because I was only 22 at the time. Um, So I decided to jump in and uh, I actually ended up enjoying it and I ended up loving what I do, the interactions and all that. So I decided to professionally pursue it. And uh, here I am with uh, (laughs) lots of restaurants. Yeah.
0: And a lot of great (laughs) stuff going on. Where, Where did your love for food in the restaurant business actually begin?
1: Well, my grandma and my mom, my mom both actually ran and operated a restaurant uh, since uh, I was a little child. So, you know, running around the house and uh, being around the food was a very, very common thing. So I always knew I loved food, but really on a eating side, not really necessarily on a cooking side of it. But as you get more involved with, uh, you know, food as you eat, You wonder, like, man, how can I make this food a little bit better? You know, how can I tweak it a little bit so it fits my palate better? I think that's when I really started to sprout some uh, neck for cooking. And um, it was really the. Uh, rise of a food Network uh, during the late nineties uh, when people start to watch Food Network and start to see, ooh you know the chefs are really not just a you know blue collar cooks but they are professionals uh, who can bring some really awesome things and they're artists and uh, they have a great business models and it has also inspired me to pursue that because the perception in America was changing from a blue collar cook behind the scene. To a chef, an entertainer, an artist where people try to embrace and, you know, they sort of uh, came up to be a superstar on their own rights. And I felt like, you know, with a changing perception, I was able to capture some of that imagination uh, with our local clients.
0: That's so cool. Now, can we walk back a little bit to your mom and grandma with their restaurant? Can you tell us where that was and what that was like?
1: Sure. I mean, it was all back in Korea, actually. Uh, so, growing up, all I remember was a uh, smell of fried chicken because uh, <laughs> my mom had a, a fried chicken restaurant, actually, since I was a little child. So, you know, you have to go through the restaurant to the room. Uh, my house was attached to the restaurant. So, every day uh, going to school, you got to go through the restaurant. Every day coming back, you know, you got to go through the restaurant. So, it wasn't anything different uh, for me. It's just, right now is an extension of my childhood, you know, just uh, walking through the restaurants. And uh, it's not really a work, but it's really a livelihood. And it's a type of, a you know, life that I am, you know, pursuing right now. But yeah, when I was kids, kid, just grandma and a mom, you know, they were in the kitchen. And then when I moved to America, uh, grandma was also continuing to uh, do some cooking at the small little restaurant that she owned inside my uncle's uh, supermarket. So I I was able to help her roll some sushis and things like that. Where was that located? It was in Colorado as well. So my uncle, yeah, my uncle had a supermarket. Seems like every Korean had a store (laughs) back there. (laughs) But uh, uh, he had a, he had a supermarket and Uh my grandma had a Japanese restaurant. So yeah, I got to see a little bit more exposure as I was growing through my teenage years. And uh, you know, I wouldn't say I was a super proud, you know, I was somewhat embarrassed, you know, uh, to my, you know, friends. I say, Hey, so right. what your uncles do? They're like, well, he runs a supermarket. Yeah, very stereotypical Asian community <laughs> yeah. within yeah. America. But, um, as I got older, I understood what they were working for, and their work ethics, and you mm-hmm. know, I mean, their their perseverance, and that all kind of rubbed up on me as well. Because uh, none of our family are you know slackers; they all work very hard, and uh, they had no choice but to work hard. But you know, uh, some people, even though there is no choice but to work hard, still choose an easy way and they just sit around. So they chose to work, and uh, you know, I, I I got a lot of uh, respect for them, and um, They helped me go through the schools. And uh, it's kind of interesting how, you know, it came around full circle. And now I'm actually running a restaurant and neither of them are actually running a restaurant at the moment.
0: Well, and this is okay. Thank you. You took me right to where I wanted to go because there were some conditions when you went to college where they're not, you know, in terms of. Oh, yeah. And then first you change. First you change the engineering uh, major. Okay. That was the first thing. But you kept the grades up. Then you went from accounting to finance. Finance. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. And then you call home and say, Dad, I want to go in the restaurant business. How did that go?
1: That did not go so well. <laughs> <laughs> the The night before graduation, when he flew in from Korea uh, to attend my graduation, I dropped the bombshell that I am not going to pursue a corporate world but to pursue a restaurant. And uh, he was very disappointed because I was a first-generation uh, college student uh, within our family. So a lot of hopes and dreams are riding on my back. And you know, I, I try to convince him, hey, dad, I mean, people in America make millions of dollars Picking up trash. You know, waste management was a great example for me to explain it. he didn't care. He said, Hey, the chef or restaurant is uh, sort of a blue collar job. This is not why I sent you to the America and, you know, to attend, uh, you know, great university. I want you to change your mind and uh, go back to the corporate side. Well, you know, I kind of got a hard head just like him. So I butt it and uh, I said, No, I'm going to give one year and uh, see if I like it or not. And um, it ended up, you know, turning out well. I mean, it, it could have <laughs> yeah, it gone did. really bad, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it did. That was a little sure.
0: bit of an understatement, by the way, it turned yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when did, he, when did he finally come around to like, okay, my son has got this. He, he understands.
1: Right. So we didn't speak for a couple of years because of uh, both of us were stubborn. Uh, but uh, 2007, that, that was it. It was uh, December 2007 when I told him I'm going to Napa uh to do a wine you know, wine belly tour and uh, some of our clientele and uh, some of our uh, suppliers are all at the um uh, Napa area. So I say, Hey, you know, I'm going there. I know you live in California, would you like to go with me? He said Well, I have never been to Napa. I guess I'll tag along. And, of course, all the purveyors, all of our suppliers, I mean, they rolled out a red carpet event, you know, I mean, just free cases of wine just so I can taste. And I gave them all to my dad. I already knew these wines. So I said, I don't need to taste it. I'll just buy it anyway. And I gave him, I think, 12 cases of free wine. That's 144 (laughs) wines. Uh, He's like, man my son treat me well. So that, I mean, you know, it's kind of stupid, but uh, you know, 144 bottles of a wine won him over. You know, he, he felt like, you know what, if uh, American people treat my son as a, you know, businessman and they're going to roll out a red carpet and, uh, you know, bring out all these great food and wines, maybe he was right. You know, so that's when he started to turn. Now he's the biggest supporter, you know, of my business. You know, he's very proud, but, You know, I understand culturally, they want you to pursue well and succeed in America. And traditionally speaking, you know, they want you to be a doctor or lawyers or businessman. But, you know, I just had to prove it to him over times that, you know, there are different ways to achieve American dream.
0: Well, you learned at an early age, you learned a work ethic and you understood it. And you grew as you grew older, you really grew to not just understand it, but to appreciate it, which is awesome. But you said something before that I want to speak to, because it has turned out well. And I love your whole um, approach to the fact that you're still growing and evolving and developing, which is really cool. And but you said earlier, 85% of restaurants fail in the first three years. So it looks great right now. It looks like an amazing dream come true. But there had to be some days, and I already obviously know the answer to this question, but there had to be some days where it was dark. It was a challenge and it was a grind. And you're like, what am I doing? Why how, why, am I, why am I putting myself through this? Can you talk about what, what it was that didn't just get you through it, but how you kept improving and kept evolving like you talk about?
1: Well, I mean, you know, current status actually is um, like a little swan swimming on a lake, you know, even even right now with the multiple restaurant operations I'm you know I'm doing everybody think on a perception like oh man he must be doing really well but really it is a constant struggle uh, below the surface I mean my legs are churning uh, because it only takes a couple bad months to tank a restaurant business uh, because just a you know very high overhead uh, we have a lot of salary staffs so it takes one bad reputation and it takes a you know couple bad months to tank a restaurant and the way we are set up right now because we set it up you know, our multiple restaurant with a very small, tight finance. We really rely on a high efficiency uh, and a you know very great level of a performance to maintain our thing. It's not like we have a millions of dollar uh, you know on our bank account, you know bankrolling us. So it does require a lot of attention to detail on everyday operation uh but yes uh when we first started 2007 2008 we all know what happened with the you know economy so it didn't really help that you had a very high end Ah, uh, restaurant in Bryan College Station because there were only four high-end restaurants, and everybody struggled to certain degrees. And we were the one of the brand new restaurants, so you know, brand new restaurant, just you don't have that you know huge thick uh, clientele basis. So you have to fight for it, and we certainly sank a lot of money uh, keeping that restaurant afloat um, with the hope that one day it's going to turn around. And then with with the confidence that we have a right product and a right service model, uh, that we will eventually get everybody turned around and come see us. Lucky for us, it has worked, you know, so far. But you know, last year was particularly difficult just because the town is growing. The population hasn't grown, you know, significantly, but you know, the number of the restaurants and number of the businesses have, you know, uh, I mean, almost seems like increased by forty, you know, forty to fifty percent compared to the year before. So whenever you see all these increase. Even though they may not be they may not be your direct competition, people still do try them out. I mean, Hooters and I don't compete on a you know typically same level. However, if somebody do decide to go to brand new Hooters, well, you know it is a missed opportunity for somebody. Who could have gone to other restaurants, not just mine, but to you know existing restaurants? So you start to see kind of the market kind of pulling apart. Uh, just so everybody had a little bit of a less traffic coming to their restaurant compared to the year before. Uh, so everybody struggled somewhat. Uh, lucky for us, we saw that happening actually about two years you know from uh, this year. So from two years ago, we start to see the trend of a brand-new restaurant coming in. You, you see this on the news, you know, the permit permit for the construction for brand-new restaurants and whatnot. So we knew there will be more restaurants. So we actually shipped some of our focus onto the catering business outside of our existing location to offset some of the sales loss. And that's, you know, one way to stay competitive and try to think about, you know, how we can move our tactical and, you know, strategical move just to make sure we don't suffer as a whole group. And that that's one big reason why we have decided to open up a new restaurant down in South Cal Station, which is a traditionally underserved area. But the struggle is every day, I mean, you know, the human drama, you know, clientele that you have to deal with, you know, hot water not coming on, you know, you know, out, <laughs> out of the blue, you know, yeah. paints, you know, paints, you know, paints coming off because we had some water damage over some, you know, crazy uh, uh, downpour. So there there's always a constant struggle but you just have to fight it and I think the reason that we have succeeded it and uh, I you know I still do this is because I love what I do uh, I love meeting people so
0: how do, you, how do you keep your composure? Because if folks never walk back into a kitchen and see what's really going on back there, it's nuts. And then you don't just have the kitchen as a chef. You have the entire business. And you just talked about last year as a struggle. You use the, you use the swan on the lake analogy. By I, I love I, I wrote that down. And, but how do you keep your composure?
1: Well, it's not easy, right? Uh, It's like a theatrical thing. You know, when you're in front of other people, you have to keep your composure. Whether you made a mistake or not, you cannot let people see it. You can't let people see you bleed. Um, And same thing with our staff. If they see me struggling and if I am, you know, just being in a bad mood because of our business, well, they're the first one to actually vote, unfortunately. And I do have an amazing, loyal uh, staff who's been with me 12-plus years. But some of the younger staff who doesn't have uh, enough loyalty with me. And if they've sensed something's not going right, they'll be the first one to vote. You know, so one, as a leader of the company, one, you have to instill confidence that everything will be okay. You know, if I'm the one who's going to be starting panicking, everybody will panic. So I got to keep my composure. you know, I, I really try to not to show too much emotion in front of people, you know, when things, you know, as they say hits the fan. If you start lose it, then everybody lose it. So, you know, it's just something that I train myself when I go to the work you know, just let's try to focus on our four walls and try to figure out what we need to accomplish, give them measurable, attainable goals, and make sure they focus on what they have to do. Uh, and then I'm going to have to take care of my end of the business, making sure we promote our business, market our business, continuously approach our past and current client, you know, you know, seeking out a new business and a new opportunities. Uh, and it has been working out well. You know, luckily, Ah, uh, we have a very good reputation within our community. We give a lot, you know. We give back a lot to our community as well through different charities, and uh, that helps. When I approach, hey, you know, would you like me to give you some sort of a opportunity, to, you know, for us to serve uh, your upcoming event? They say, yeah, we'll we'll think about, you know, having you guys take care of it. Things like that doesn't happen overnight. It it really require a lot of a uh, you know constant contact and uh, nurturing, as uh, you know. Being in a business in this town for twelve years has helped uh, because we built certain level of a relationship. Now there are restaurants and operations who've been doing this much longer and they're much better at it because they built much longer and a much deeper relationship. So it, it required persistency and a consistency as well uh, to achieve that goal. And you know, we're still working progress right now.
0: Yeah. And, and so much work you put into it and you do give back and you, you've said so much, but I want to go back to one thing you said. I don't let people see you bleed and, and you don't want your team to see you panic. One of the things when I work with my clients, I always talk about is a coach has to be the face his team needs or her team needs. And, and you do that. You do that so well with all this work that you put into it. Okay. This is, this is your, your culture that you have built. Okay. How intentional are you about recruiting not just talent but people that are the right fit for your culture
1: well you know hiring is uh, everything you, you gotta hire right you know it, this this culture these and days if you hire a wrong person it's really difficult to fire them too so you know there are several steps on how we hire people uh not only uh you know The paper uh, resume that we gotta look, and application. We do our due diligence by calling the prior uh, employment just to see what's going on, and then we do a initial uh, interview, to secondary interview, and the third interview is actually what we call on job evaluation. We literally put them on a meat grinder, not (laughs) real grinder, but on a Friday busy night, and we literally. Dump him on a line and just to see how he handles it. You know, does he panic? You know, does he get flustered? You know, you know, th- does he get mad at other people? You know, th- does he start screaming at people? Well, obviously he can't. You know, he can't handle the pressure. He may not be cup of, tea, you know, our our type of a uh, person, and it would not his cup of tea uh, for the restaurant business. So um, we really. Give our best effort to hire a right person, uh, but the fundamental basis for hiring a right person is being a right and a good person. Like you have to be a good person. You know there there are people who are shady about things, and if you're shady, it doesn't change. You know we we have a whole saying, you know a little bad habit when you had it when you were three, it will go on till you're sixty. Uh, so if you are not honest about things, we'll ask multiple questions different way. Uh, and uh, if he changes his answer, then, I, you know, I start to think maybe this guy's not always honest about things, then he may not be the right person. I mean, he could be, you know, he could be honestly just nervous. So he might give you wrong answers or things like that. But, you know, people can fake it for a couple of days and a couple of weeks. But, you know. They can't fake it for long, uh, so we really try to find out their flaws on that first initial on-job evaluation and let's see where they're at. Uh, I mean, every company has a different tactics to hire right people. Uh, we feel we've been very blessed. Uh, let, as I said, I have a multiple associate who's been working for me for multiple years, and uh, I'm type of person. I don't tolerate uh, liars. Uh, I don't tolerate you know laziness. So if they're not Cut out for my company, I'll be the first one to you know find out and make sure we don't hire those kind of people. But if they are hired, uh we really do give amazing amount of a focus and uh, uh investment in terms of uh try to retain their service uh try to nurture them and give them opportunity to grow within our company and our company has been growing because of that fundamental idea of hey, you know what if I give my best and I learn. I will have an opportunity one day to become an executive chef at this restaurant group because Chef Tay is always uh, expanding, and uh, that has been the case. All of our executive chef level has been uh, homegrown within our own company, and they've been progressing through. And the sous chef and the chef below, they have seen it. So one day, they know it, they're going to have their own little shot at it.
0: Well, and I, and I love what you're talking about because you're talking about you attach emotion to these folks, and and they've got skin in the game because they do know that it's beyond just creating dishes and serving dishes. This is, this is a life that they're building and, and, you know, hat off to you for, for doing that. And when you talk about honesty, you talk about integrity, you talk about trust, all right, how much, when those are all in place, how much does that help your ability to make quick decisions? I mean, because you are flying all over the place and you're a, you've, you have to turn things over to your people at some point.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what you just said, integrity and trust, you know, their ability to perform, that all accumulates into my decision making. You know, I I've been approached by many people, "Hey, let's open up a restaurant in Houston." "Hey, let's open up a, you know, some other restaurant." And I'll say yes or no based on who I have, just like in any uh, team, uh, sports uh, sports team, you know your strength and you know your weakness and you have to pick your fight, you know, pretty wisely. And uh, I will only say I'll expand if I feel like I have the right team. I'm only good as my weakest link, right? So if I feel like our overall strength, uh, strength of our kitchen staff and a front of the house staff is weak, expansion will only undermine my current operation. Uh, but if I feel like we have a you know, very strong staff and I have a room to grow and uh, if I don't promote somebody, I'll lose them to someone else's restaurant or they're going to turn around and become their own uh, entrepreneur, well, then I'm going to say, you know what, let's expand. You know, I'll go borrow some money. I'll go uh, find an investor and let's open up a restaurant. Let's make you a partner into our growth. And then rather than having another foe. I'd rather have another, you know, partner within a business who can grow together. So, you know, th- those people really do help my make uh, decision making easier by having the right people. Then I know I can do other things because I trust that they're going to make the best dig- decision on my behalf.
0: And you, you can really get into the fact how it frees up your mental energy, too, to go do other things and create other things. How you use the word strengths and when I was growing up in, in, in athletics and in, even when I was in the business world at the beginning, it was all about work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. You're not good at this. You've got to spend more time in that. Well, what about our strengths? Can you talk into for a minute how critical it is to not only identify your people's strengths, but to be able to leverage them and put them in the right position to be successful?
1: I mean, that's everything really, right? Uh, you know, you, you got to do your SWOT analysis, you know, strength, weakness, you know. So when we see a, associate with a certain level of a strength, but with a certain level of weakness, I try to pair them on the line, you know, just just like in a sporting time. Uh, we try to pair the people with a different strength and a different weakness, so we don't have a two of the same weakness and a two of the same strength. It's it's kind of redundant, right? So I, I try to pair them where we complement each other uh, with the different strength and a weakness, so they can work together. And then they're, you know, that way, you can also build a mutual respect within the team because, you know, let's say guy X can chop, but guy Y will be great at sautéing. Well, if they both do the same thing well, well, they might say, well, I think I do, you know, this thing better than so-and-so. But if you put a different strength together, they're going to actually start to, uh, you know, note it at each other, like, you know what, that guy's really is good at, you know, sauté. And then I try to tell guy Y, hey, since you're really good at sautéing, cross-trained guy X, by teaching him, you're going to get better at it, and then you're going to be able to you know, earn some respect. Vice versa, guy X, you're fantastic at chopping. Guy Y is really not good at chopping. Let's show him how to do different chops, different cutting techniques, knife skills. You're going to teach them. You're going to learn better, and then he's also going to give you a mutual respect on it. And I think that's how we've been cross-training staff and uh, making sure everybody's uh, weaknesses are covered. But through that, I think we build better team together. And, and
0: there's no question. It's almost like a player coach team, and and you know that if you, you know, I always said when I was coaching, if I walked into practice 15 minutes late, I should be okay with it because I should know that our guys started the warmups, started the drills, are holding each other accountable, are are encouraging each other. So I mean, you're building that culture. Now I'm going to ask you a two part question here because they they go hand in hand. They may not seem on paper like they do, but what has been your biggest struggle? Will be the first part. And what has been the thing that you're most proud of?
1: Mm, the struggle probably will be financial uh, just because uh, we started as a small mom and pop restaurant and um, due to the several needs and opportunity we expend it, Uh you know, we seem to expand it almost every two years of our operation. So it does take up a lot of finances out of your savings. Uh, so when you have a pretty, thin savings account and when when some threat does uh come you know come across you got to do all kinds of interesting things you know run a credit card for the glory cash of
0: being a business owner right <laughs>
1: exactly so a lot of people don't know that part you know that you got to go out there and uh, you know let you know loan money you have to go to bank and say hey you know can i get some more advance on it things that my staff don't necessarily have to know, but I'll do whatever I you know I need to to make sure I don't miss their paycheck uh, because that's a promise that I gave it to them for their work. I'm gonna pay them, so I have to keep that promise because I keep my promise. I can hold them accountable. What they told me they're gonna do, I can say, "Hey, I paid you. You need to you know you need to come up on your end of the bargain." Uh, but the the blessing part actually has been our staff. Um, our staff has. Uh, you know really live up to end of their bargain and they have been buying into my understanding and uh, my persistence on excellence in dining I mean good enough is just not good enough you know we don't always make it excellent but we got to pursue it you know Someday we do better than others, uh, but someday we fall short of you know shorter uh, than what we normally do. So important thing is we try to let them know you gotta be consistent and you gotta be persistent and you gotta pursue for the higher level. What you done really excellent on one day, that should be a baseline and then you gotta try to attain next level. And most of our staff has done that and if all of them does it. Then I know I can attain to that next level a lot faster. But I, I can't be I can't be you know complaining about you know current success that we're enjoying because uh, if it wasn't for them, we cannot get to anywhere. Right. So
0: right. That's a great perspective. So before before we get set to go here, I want to walk through uh, the different restaurants restaurants, excuse me, the different restaurants, and uh, talk a little bit about each one and what they are. And now, and I'm also going to ask you with Urban Table, once that is complete, is there something else there out on the horizon that you're allowed to talk about yet? Are those wheels still turning in your head?
1: I do have one actually in pipeline. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'll I'll leave it there. I'll I it there. Yeah, I'll, I'll I talk do. about it. I'll talk to
0: you about it when I see you in college station next time. Right.
1: Um okay. But,
0: Let's start go ahead and start whatever yeah. you want with those
1: Yeah, so two thousand seven I opened up my uh first restaurant, Veritas Wine and Bistro, the the jacket that I'm wearing as well. Uh that's my first baby basically. So it is uh, upper casual, you know, we, we strive to have a very creative international fair cuisine. Uh we really specialize on fantastic seafood and a steak and uh you know just uh just overall very unique international flair i can't help being an asian guy right so i bring a lot of the asian spices into what we kind of know as an american food with a lot of european techniques and uh the chefs that we hire and the chefs that we work together, they also bring a very, very diverse uh, background on a cooking. So we as a team work really well together on coming up with something very creative, uh, very unique to this town. And um, whenever we have out-of-town guests coming in, especially from California or New York, they're just blown away that they couldn't believe they came to College Station and they can have a food like this. Um, the second restaurant operation that we open is the food truck actually so it's chef taste mobile food truck it's been open 9 years now and uh, we are the first food truck to be allowed to come into Texas A&M University campus and uh, we are the america's favorite food truck uh, awarded by food network back in 2011 as well and a uh, one texas uh, food truck competition Uh, back-to-back on 2015 and 2016 as well. So we we had our own very good success about it. That definitely has been our cash cow in terms of operation because of the low overhead uh, structure of a food truck. Uh, But you do need to have a certain level of... um, Steady, uh, steady crowd and a client tells to make that happen. Just because you have a low overhead doesn't mean you will, you know, you'll be successful. If you don't have a traffic and you don't have a certain sales volume, it doesn't work. Uh, but we've been very blessed by being on Texas A&M University.
0: Do you have to have that located in a, a certain spot? Are you only allowed yeah. a certain spot? Okay, so if folks are in town in College Station, for the event, where could they find the food truck?
1: Well, the food trucks, most of the food trucks are located throughout campus on an engineering school uh, corridor and also by the um, pavilion, which is on the main campus as well. But uh, there are five food trucks currently operating within campus right now. And then the next project that i done was a New York Italian restaurant uh, called Paolo's Italian Kitchen. And uh, we're really particularly proud about uh, our partnership there because the partner who opened the restaurant with me actually had run a new york italian restaurant up in new york city for 30 plus years so they retired and moved to texas and uh, they partnered with me and uh thank god uh they brought their (laughs) they brought their chef who worked for them for 18 years and uh, i mean they really did bring the authentic italian new york italian you know into town so it is different than uh what your traditional texas italian will be uh but salsas are fantastic you know that's the only italian i actually eat in town And then um, the most recent restaurant that I have uh, acquired, actually, it was uh, Madden's Casual Gourmet in downtown Bryan. Beautiful restaurant. I actually been there regular for nine years (laughs) before I purchased it. But dear friend of mine, Peter Madden, uh, started the restaurant 15 years ago. And um, uh, he was uh, changing uh, his uh, restaurant group into a really nice casual uh, taco restaurant called Mad Tacos. So in that transition, he decided to let his higher end Madden's casual gourmet go. Um, They were my competitor. Uh, Back then when we first opened, there were four higher end restaurants in town and Madden's was one of our competitors. But you know, somehow I had a great opportunity to uh, purchase the restaurant, and uh, we, you know, we've been running it for the past three plus years, and it's been going well. Uh, I gave my word to Peter that I'm going to keep what made Maddens unique, same way. I had no intention of uh, making Maddens uh, what Chef Tay does uh, and cannibalize the you know clientele. Veritas was unique on its own right. Palos is unique on his own right. Madden has to be unique on his own right. So we wanted to make sure. No restaurant will cannibalize its own clientele by being too similar to each other. We wanted to make a very unique restaurant experience for all of the people who come to the Bryan College Station area. Uh, so rather than giving that franchisee uh, consistency flavor, I wanted to give a unique homegrown mom-and-pop restaurant experience, but still giving a consistency of a corporate restaurant in terms of a service level, uh, guest relationship, uh, and uh, you know, product quality. And then the newest restaurant that we're doing is Urban Table down in Cal, uh, South Cal Station, uh, traditionally a very underserved area of uh, Bryan Cal Station because there are a lot of uh, residential areas, but there was no real uh, good restaurant operation. They had a lot of uh, fast, fast casual, fast food restaurants, but nothing really that parents with the children want to take them every day, every you know every day and every night. So we wanted to build something that was a uh, unique to That part of the neighborhood where we have a two-story restaurant. It is an open kitchen and a dining room on the first floor for really for the family with the children. And second floor is unique because not many restaurants in Bryan College Station is a two-tier level. Most restaurants are single-story restaurants. So on the second floor, we decided to uh, install our wine bar and uh, upper deck, uh, Patio and a little lounge area where you can see the you know the view of a uh, call station out on the horizon. So it's really unique uh, way to do things, and uh, because of the spatial uh, separation, the adults can have a great time upstairs without you know children crying or interrupting the dinner, and the family downstairs can have a great dinner without bar crowd interrupting the family dinner. So the spatial separation is a just time. right enough. Yeah. Right. It, it actually came from our own needs because we have uh, two children. And uh, sometimes it's really difficult for us to dine out because of our children have a mm. children moment. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, I, well. I, <laughs> but I think uh, having a very um, distinctive uh, dining scene and uh, the food that we're going to do is going to be what we call new American cuisine. So it is American cuisine that we all think what American cuisine should be. But we try to bring a lot of different flavor and a spice from coast to coast. So I traditionally excelled on a West Coast style of a cuisine just because of the heavy Asian influence. Uh, and then my executive chef is from St. Louis. So he brings a lot of that no-nonsense, no-frill, no, nonsense, no, no frill, just great Midwestern American cuisine. And then we have a sous chef who's from the uh, Florida area but also worked in the New England area. So we can bring some of the East Coast flair. The other sous chef that we have is from uh, Brian, local Brian Kidd. Uh, so he brings a lot of that southwestern Texas flavor into it. So we're really hoping that we can bring diverse menu uh, that is American uh, by utilizing a unique spices and a different combination of sauces to kind of update uh, what we see as American cuisine. It should be at a very friendly, uh, friendly price point because we are, after all, dealing with the neighborhoods.
0: That's that's outstanding. That's got to be that has to be a lot of fun. And and where can folks find out more about the restaurants? Your
1: website. Well, so yeah, the website will be the best way to do it. It's a www chef Tay.com. So C H E F T A com, And it lists all of our restaurant family of restaurants on it. So if you click a particular restaurant, it will direct you to a particular website with a full menu and the descriptions.
0: Okay. where else can they find you on social media? Because I love your post.
1: Oh boy. I got, I got, <laughs> I got all kinds of social <laughs> have, media we have, going. We have Instagram,
0: yeah. we have Twitter, right? We got
1: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So I have my personal, uh, you know, social media site. And then I have, a my individual restaurant social media as well. Okay.
0: Okay. So are the handles for those, are those basically
1: the restaurants? They're all different. They're, okay. all, they're all Yeah. They're all yeah. different. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I'll tell you watching urban table evolve on Facebook has been, I, I love the pictures. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a really cool place. Now when you say South, uh, college station, how far South, are we talking well, Rock Prairie road? Are
1: we going to go? F- it'll, it'll be, it'll be South of Rock Prairie. Okay. So, uh, William D Fitch and a Wellborn is uh, the sort of the nearest cross section of um, of the town, so we are closer to Wellborn than say Texas A and M University uh, campus. So we are really you know southwest of uh, South College Station, but it is uh, it is quite a distance away from uh, what we traditionally know as a the restaurant row on University Drive, which is
0: what makes it really cool, though, right? I mean that. Yeah, absolutely. It's got its own now. It's it's wide open space. It looks
1: like which is it is. Awesome. It is. Yeah, yeah. It has a plenty of parking spot, and uh, we have <laughs> neighborhoods after neighborhoods within three mile radius. So we're, we're very excited.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's go back to the catering business because that's mm-hmm. obviously um, doing. I mean, every time I, I see you on one of the social media posts, you're doing, you know, something for the university or for some other uh, benefits or for some events. And you will be doing the catering for our Unleashing Greatness event, which mm-hmm. we're having it in t- April. Yep. In April, April 10th, the tailgate party outside of uh, Kyle Field. And I know we we talked about the menu. OK, so can you talk about a little bit more? Very it's it's absolutely perfect, I think, about what we're going to serve at the events.
1: Well, you know, the tailgate theme, yeah, just a lot of exciting tailgate theme type of a food. And uh, it really does lead up to the parents' weekend. So that weekend, we're going to have a moon and white game. So, you know, I have some really exciting, uh, you know, sliders and, uh, you know, hot wings and things like that that people can associate. But we're going to have a very different type of a sauce and a different type of setup on it. So, again, visually – it is not something you're going to be like, "Ooh, what is that?" No, you'll know what it is. <laughs> it's a slider. You'll see a taco yep. station, things like that. Yep. But the flavor that you'll see and you'll taste is just smidge different where it's like, "Wow, this is fun flavor. Hey, this is a really, you know, really different and it's something unique." So that's that's sort of been sort of our strength. Uh, we try to reinvent what you kind of see as, uh, hey, you know, I know what taco is. I know what slider is. Okay, visually it looks same. But once you taste it, you know, the spices and seasoning that we utilize is just unique enough where you're going to be like, you know what, I want to have a second serving.
0: Yeah, yep. And it's, it's going to be a really, really cool atmosphere, a really neat setup. And and we have to thank Dr. Brandy Plunkett for introducing oh, us. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And it's funny, we get introduced and all of a sudden you realize how many of the similar circles that we we are connected with and stuff. So I, I feel blessed to have have you such a big part of this event and can't wait to see you uh soon actually Uh, we might cross paths um uh, before you know it but thank you so much for taking time out of your day i mean you are i i I find it hard to imagine when you sleep to be honest with you you so many balls in the air um but thank you and, and a ton of insight um you know, for our listeners and for myself. I mean, just just great content. And if you want to listen to other episodes of the Athletics of Business podcast, go to iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can also check out the um, website, theathleticsofbusiness.com. But do me a favor, we've had some phenomenal guests and Tay, unbelievable. Um, go ahead, go to iTunes and uh, leave a comment, rate this um, episode because it was, it was off the charts. And again, I appreciate it. And thank you for all you do. And I appreciate you, Tay.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Ed.
0: Thank you for listening to the athletics of business. Be sure to give us a rating and review. So we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit the athletics Now get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.